Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Tossing and turning all night like a salad? It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. I'm Jill, and I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. There are a lot of things that influence developing an addiction, and none of them are that we're weak-willed losers. In the Sober Powered Podcast, you'll learn how and why addiction develops, how alcohol changes the brain to keep us drinking, and most importantly, that you're not alone. The things you experience are experienced by many of us. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today I'm going to talk about how alcohol memories are triggered in sobriety. I had an unexpected encounter with $28 all you can drink wine recently, and this triggered an urge and all those weird thoughts about drinking. 
I found some really interesting studies about where drinking memories might be stored, how they become activated and lead to relapse, and why these drinking memories get triggered during sobriety. It can be really frustrating after a lot of sober time to have urges pop up, so I hope this episode helps you understand why this happens and reinforces that you can never change the way that you drink and it will never be long enough. So let's dig in. One of the most frustrating things about sobriety is that months and years later, you can still feel triggers and urges to drink with no warning. This happened to me recently. So I'm part of the biochemistry group at work, and we had our summer outing last Friday. We played laser tag, which was a ton of fun, and then we went to one of the fanciest restaurants in Massachusetts for lunch. It's called the Capitol Grill if you want to look it up. Super fancy. Anyway, the server came over and immediately starts explaining the drinks. So the menu was on paper, but the drink menu had its own fancy tablet. He told us about a special that was going on that was a wine tasting, and wine was my jam. And part of the reason that I drank was because I loved the taste and the sophistication of it. It wasn't just a wine tasting with four reds and three whites, though. You could get unlimited wine for $28. And that's what threw me off. Unlimited wine at like a really fancy restaurant that never happens. And I knew that it must be really good wine too. And then I started feeling really triggered. And my mind was like, you should do it. It's a fancy wine tasting. Like, are you really never going to do a wine tasting ever again? And like all these crazy things. I didn't do it, obviously. But it was still like, really unexpected. So even though I directly associate alcohol with being suicidal, and I know I can never drink for the rest of my life if I would like to live, I still feel urges, temptation, and get triggered around wine. So luckily, no one got the $28 wine tasting, and I survived the lunch with my soda water. But this isn't a unique experience. And maybe you've even resonated with it. So why do we keep feeling tempted so long into sobriety? We associate places, alcohol bottles, people, feelings, and events with drinking. But not just drinking, the rewarding parts of the drinking. The way that it made us feel good, whatever that looked like for you. And we conveniently do not associate it with all the negatives which made us eventually get sober. Several clinical and preclinical studies have identified the medial prefrontal cortex as a key player in relapse and alcohol and drug-seeking behavior. Brain images on people with alcohol use disorder found increased activation of the medial prefrontal cortex in response to alcohol cues, and this activation correlated with an increased risk of relapse. In animal models, re-exposure to alcohol cues set off alcohol-seeking behavior and resulted in enhanced activity in the medial prefrontal cortex. So we've talked about the prefrontal cortex a lot, and it's probably my favorite area of the brain because it's really involved in addiction and not being able to control yourself. So back in episode 46, we talked about the ventromedial prefrontal cortex and neuroplasticity. So studies found that having less plasticity in that area of the brain was associated with negative coping strategies like emotional eating, 
binge drinking and having more arguments or fights. So make sure you go listen to episode 46 next if you haven't yet. The medial prefrontal cortex plays a role in decision making, conflict monitoring, error detecting, executive functioning, reward-guided learning, and weighing the risk versus the reward. It also plays a role in retrieval of memories. There have been many different studies in humans, monkeys, and rats that found that activity in the medial prefrontal cortex is linked to the subjective value of anticipated outcomes. And for rats, about one-third of the cells in the medial prefrontal cortex became activated by reward expectancy. So that's a big portion of the brain that activates just by anticipating a potential reward, which is a main part of the experience of drinking. The anticipation of the reward usually drives a craving or starts to make you feel relaxed when you know that you're going to have that drink really soon. So this area of the brain also communicates with other areas of the brain to help drive hunger and thirst and pain perception. And before we move on, I really want to highlight the difference between subjective and objective. So I said that the medial prefrontal cortex is involved in the subjective value of an anticipated reward. So this means that the level of the reward depends on the person. So naturally, problem drinkers would perceive the reward of drinking alcohol to be much, much higher than a social drinker, because remember, alcohol feels better for us. So something that's helped me greatly with my sobriety and my mindset in general is to focus on being more objective. So that means looking at the facts and embracing reality. So I've moved my mindset to seeing alcohol more as something that I just can't do because it makes me feel very anxious and suicidal. Those are the facts, whether I like it or not. Same with the $28 wine tasting. Even though it set off some serious temptation, I looked at it objectively. I would have loved to go crazy on some $28 unlimited fancy wine. I'm sure it's some of the best wine ever. And I can still feel that way about alcohol. But by being objective, I also recognize and appreciate that it would also result in me destroying my life. So try to embrace the facts if you're struggling with urges and temptation. One 2020 study published in Science Advances found that a group of neurons in the medial prefrontal cortex may be responsible for alcohol cue association and that this memory is long-lasting. Neurons from the prefrontal cortex actually project into the nucleus accumbens, which is a main part of the reward center and part of the brain we've also talked about a lot on this podcast. So the dopamine that gets released from drinking alcohol is released into the nucleus accumbens, and this forms a memory that alcohol feels good, so it must be good for us, and it reinforces that we need to drink. So this part of the brain was originally designed to promote survival behaviors because making them feel good makes us remember to do them and want to do them. So we talked about pyramidal neurons or projection neurons back in episode 20 and how that relates to our inability to moderate our drinking. So a projection neuron is exactly what it sounds. It can project 
further than a regular neuron. So projection neurons are what the brain uses to allow different parts of the brain to communicate with each other. So neurons from the prefrontal cortex can project into the nucleus accumbens and send signals from the prefrontal cortex to the nucleus accumbens. So building off of that, this 2020 study found that projection neurons coming from the medial prefrontal cortex that are activated in response to alcohol cues very densely project into the nucleus accumbens, meaning that there's a ton of them. And they compared this to a group of neurons in the prefrontal cortex that are activated by sugar that also project into the nucleus accumbens. And that's such a cool comparison because I am really obsessed with sugar in my sobriety and I'm sure you at least know what I mean. (laughs) Maybe you're not experiencing it too, but you know what I mean. So there is a noticeable difference in the amount of projections of alcohol-activated neurons into the nucleus accumbens compared to sugar-activated neurons. This study was done in mice who were raised to become addicted to alcohol by pressing a lever and receiving an alcohol reward. Then the reward was taken away and they learned to stop pressing the lever. So relapse was tested a month later by exposing them to alcohol cues and seeing if they tried to resume pressing the lever to try to get the alcohol reward. So the researchers were able to suppress these neurons and found that during a cue test, there were very little lever presses compared to the control group who were just addicted to alcohol and had no intervention. And all of these mice were a month sober. So these researchers were able to identify the specific neurons in the brain that are responding to alcohol cues and then signaling our reward center like, hey, we're going to get some alcohol here, like, let's go. So besides influencing the nucleus accumbens, the medial prefrontal cortex also strongly influences the periaqueductal gray, or the PAG, which is involved in aggression, determining if you need to escape a situation, and controlling pain. So we talked a lot about the PAG in episode 54 when we talked about using alcohol to escape or numb out. So the medial prefrontal cortex provides information to other areas of the brain that are responsible for learned responses to pain, stress, anxiety, and adaptive responses to rewards or stress. And there have been other studies that looked at the role that the medial prefrontal cortex has in memory, not just in addiction, but in memory in general. So a study from 1999 had 74 mice go through a maze that had some kind of reward at the end for them. So they learned that, you know, going through the maze is good. And they tested them again five or 25 days after learning about the reward. And they saw that the medial prefrontal cortex was significantly more active 25 days later compared to five days later. So it had a much larger role in long-term memory than in recent memory. So one theory here is that activity from the hippocampus is enough to recall a recent memory, but not enough to recall an older memory. So the medial prefrontal cortex helps out. So the idea is that the hippocampus sends the necessary information to the medial prefrontal cortex about retrieving the memory. 
and then it retrieves the memory. So this has been supported by a few different studies from 2003 to 2006 that saw that the hippocampus becomes activated during the retrieval of recent memories, but not long-term memories. So the purpose of the medial prefrontal cortex assisting with memory is to select the correct emotional or motor response to a situation using information from our past experiences. So what this means to me is that when we're in a situation, the medial prefrontal cortex assesses it and compares it to previous situations and then determines how we should feel about it and what we should do. So if we're in a situation where alcohol is present and we have the ability to drink it, then the brain processes this and determines that we should want to drink because we always have in the past and we associate drinking with rewarding outcomes. So I think the fact that the 2020 study found that the neural projections associated with alcohol cues from the medial prefrontal cortex into the nucleus accumbens were much more densely populated than the ones associated with sugar was really, really cool. So even though sugar is rewarding and pleasurable, it doesn't change your mental state and the effects of sugar wear off much quicker than the effects of alcohol. So maybe this is part of the reason why the neurons associated with alcohol are much stronger. So if we go back to my experience at my work lunch, then I was already presented a cue by being inside the restaurant where everybody at every other table was drinking. Plus, one entire wall was a temperature-controlled wine rack, so I could see a ton of alcohol. And then the waiter was showing me all the different drinks I could get and explaining in full detail about the $28 unlimited wine tasting, which is something that I really loved. So it makes sense to me that my brain would work on retrieving memories about previous times where I've been in these situations and set off a strong urge to drink. So having a problem with alcohol isn't a weakness thing. It's not that we just have to be stronger and resist. These alcohol cues are permanently burned into our brain and we may even have special groups of neurons that are associated with deciding that we should drink and then activating our reward center to set off cravings and urges. That stuff doesn't go away, which is why we can never drink again or learn to drink socially. You just drink the way you drink. And once you have a problem, that's the only way you're going to drink. So this doesn't mean that we're doomed to fight off urges forever. So through experience, becoming more mature, and learning to deal with strong emotions, we can learn the best ways to deal with triggers like this that set off the reward center of our brain. There have also been studies about how sober people will salivate in response to cues and social drinkers will not. Our brains are so obsessed with alcohol that even a little cue sets off a cascade that activates the reward center and even physically affects the body by causing a salivating response. So really cool stuff. And none of this has anything to do with weakness of character. 
So next time you're faced with a trigger or an urge or a craving or something, try to imagine like what's going on in your brain, like all the different signaling that is happening and your brain is like sending this message to activate the reward center, which then tells you like, let's go, let's drink. And then it starts like getting your body ready. Think about all of that craziness that's happening in your body just because you looked at alcohol or because you smelled it or something. And that will help you be more objective about it, too. And the more objective we can be, the more we can keep the facts in our minds because our brain is going to selectively remember the good times. Even though there were probably way more bad times than good, the brain will selectively filter those out. So being objective can help you to remember both times and make the right decision. And just like this $28 wine tasting thing, every time we get through a situation like this, we get a little bit tougher and a little more comfortable dealing with it. So I hope that helped and I will talk to you next week. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of happy how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.